peace be with you. That's what Mary wants to bring to us, bring us to the peace of her son. And that's all through history and different revelations. That's definitely a core message of that. So today we're going to talk about Mother Mary and the origin of the rosary. You might be wondering, where, where did that rosary come from? And what I'd say to you and us all is make the rosary big. Make it big in your life. Make it very much a part of you. Padre Pio called it the weapon. We don't wield weapons of firearms. We wield weapons of the rosary. We, wield, we don't wield weapons of deceit or unforgiveness or slander. But we wield the weapons of forgiveness leading to peace. I have this rosary up here. It's big. It's wrapped around up here at the Ambo. My Knights of Columbus at my last parish, we had about 110 men in our Knights of Columbus chapter and all the good work that they do here and there, they made this rosary for me. So that's a big rosary. We make the rosary big. It's the weapon that defeats evil, but also brings a, the rosary a softness and tenderness that we so dearly need in our world. We need a revolution of that in the cruelty and cutting each other off and giving each other no chance. So let's talk about Mary and why we would honor her in our church. We go back to the Old Testament in Kings chapter 2, and we read about the role of the mother of the king. So Adonijah, King Solomon's brother, so there are these two brothers, ask their mother, Bathsheba, to go to Solomon and ask him for a favor. He's really kind of a cunning brother, and he wants to take over the kingdom of Solomon. He wants to uh, put his brother out. It's a deceivious plot. So they, they go to the mother to ask for that favor. In the previous chapter, when Bathsheba went into King David's presence, her husband, she bowed down before him, and she waited for him to tell uh, her when she could get up again. In contrast, when Bathsheba comes into her son's presence, King Solomon, King Solomon rises, and he bows down to her and makes her sit at the, at the throne at his right hand. In the ancient kingdom, the queen is not the wife of the king. He has many wives. But the queen is the mother of the king. There is only one mother. This is the role of the queen mother in the Old Testament. So in the New Testament, why do we honor Mary? In the new kingdom, Jesus is the new kingdom forever, king forever, and Mary is the queen mother forever in fulfillment of the role that the Lord has baked into the kingdom of Israel. And then in Revelation 12, the last book of the Bible, we see the revelation of Mary as queen mother, clothed with the sun, with the moon at her feet, and the crown of 12 stars around her head. And just like we see Solomon arise to meet his queen mother and bow down to her and has her sit at his right hand, in the new covenant, the new kingdom, Jesus has the role of honor, not worship for the queen mother. As he gives her honor, we give her honor. There's a difference between veneration and honor and worship and adoration. And that's where a lot of people get confused with Catholics saying that we worship Mary, we worship God alone, but we do venerate and honor her. You know, you've, you've probably done that. You've bowed before people. You've put your hands together and bowed down your head. We can definitely honor each other in who they are in Christ, but the worship belongs to Christ alone. This is interesting. We can all be a mixed bag, right? Some days we can be holy and some days we can be backstep three or four steps. 
And, and God works through it all, this mess. But Martin Luther, he did not believe in the rosary at all. He said it's a waste of time. It's a man-made invention with no power. But the same man said in honor of her, Martin Luther said, the mother of God, no one can say anything greater of her. And that's true. Now, we have to understand that uh, how God comes to us is through a mediated experience. He comes through us as intercessors. We stand between and connect two different parties. So the communion of saints, when we say we believe in the communion of saints every Sunday in our creed, that means we are all in communion, past, present, and future. And that's an amazing reality if we think about that. The communion of saints gathered here at Mass to worship the Eucharist as we will celebrate in a few minutes. We live on after we die and remain a part of that communion, even in a more powerful way than on earth. We all are the body of Christ. We are never not part of the body of Christ unless we abandon God. If we final abandoning of God, but we're all that body of Christ and we're never not that. So we ask each other, hey, will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? And that's the same thing that we do with Mary, the mother of God, whose prayers are most holy and effective for us. You don't know how many times I say, Dad, help me. This is so much. I call upon my daddy to be a father because it's so much. You've done that, I'm sure. Family members, parents. Well, we pray to a person who knows Jesus better than any other person in human history. Would we ever settle for a lesser source? There's no greater affection than a, a mother for her child. And we have that infinitely with Jesus and Mary. Infinite affection. Let her affection with her son affect you. Let Mary's affection with her son affect you. Pray to the Queen Mother who has Jesus' ear. And in our prayer to her, she says to us, do whatever he tells you. Wedding of Cana, do whatever she, that's the whole theology of Mary. Do whatever he tells you. And you know what will happen? You obey for abundance. John 10, 10, I've come that you may have life and have it to the overflowing. You obey. You're in church because we obey the commandment to be in church today. It's a commandment. It's not an option because God loves us so much. He wants to pour out on us. Abundance. Meditate on that abundance Mary's obedience has given us. Meditate on that forever. I want to talk about now where the rosary originated. How did it come about? Centuries long before Christ, the faithful said prayers in a repetitive manner and found different methods of keeping count, often by using rocks or pebbles. By at least the ninth century, monks were reciting all 150 psalms. First, they did it every day, and then just maybe a couple times a week. On the way they kept count, the way that they kept count of the 150 was they have 150 pebbles, and then they'd place one pebble at a time in a container or a pouch as they said each psalm. Well, the people living near the monks 
wanted to mimic this devotion. But due to lack of education, they couldn't memorize all the psalms. And plus, there wasn't the printing press, so the, the psalms weren't available. So what to do? What did they do? And they weren't able to read. So Christians began to pray 50 or 150 Our Fathers. That's where they started out with, the Paternosters. And they did that each week instead of the psalms. In order to keep count of the Our Fathers, they often used a string with knots in it instead of counting rocks. Sound familiar? A string with rocks in it, beads. Later the knots gave way to small pieces of wood and eventually to the use of beads. During the 11th century, St. Peter Damien suggested praying 150 angelic salutations, the Hail Mary, as an alternative to praying the Our Father. And these angelic salutations start with, so it's interesting, the, the Hail Mary that we pray, it's a great example of scripture and tradition. Scripture is the first half of the Hail Mary prayer, and tradition, which is not necessarily found in the Bible, but God uses revelation and leaders and holy people to give us that tradition to add to the prayer of the Hail Mary. So it starts out with the angelic salutation of the Archangel Gabriel to Mary. Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Then we move on to the visitation where uh, Elizabeth, in the power of the Holy Spirit, greets Mary. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Mary is holy not because of anything she's done, but she is holy because she's full of grace. She's the mother of God. She's not the mother of God in that she precedes God. She's the mother of God, and she's not the mother of the Trinity, but she's the mother of the God-man, Jesus. So that is how she is the mother of God. Now, this is a tradition that's not proven in the church, but we go on to the 13th century, and there's this heresy called the Albigensian heresy. And the Albigensian heresy says, spirit is good, matter is bad. So it's dualism, and it's antithetical to what everything we teach as Catholics, saying the body's bad, the spirit's good. And that had to be fought, and St. Dominic was called to fight that, and he was on a retreat in southern France and said, be said to have a rosary dropped in his hands, Mother Mary, and to go out to the streets to fight that, to bring people back to the true faith. And it said through that, it was a, a marvelous turning of uh, people back to uh, our understanding of, of Jesus and in and through the body, and that there's, it, we don't believe in dualism at, at all. The first part of the 15th century, the Hail Mary consisted of, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. The third part, known as the petition, pray for us, Holy Mother of God. Where did that come from? That came from the Council of Ephesus in 431. At that council, the church leaders officially defined Mary not as the Mary, only the mother of Jesus, but also the Theotokos, the God-bearer, the mother of God. This is really neat. On that night that that was proclaimed, the citizens of Ephesus marched through the town, joyfully chanting, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Can you imagine if we did that at Liberty Station? Walk through there. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. This petition, including the words, now and at the hour of our death, amen, would become part of the prayer by the time of Pope Pius the fifth, when he issued a papal bull encouraging the universal use of the rosary in 1569. So that's 
the origin, broad strokes of the rosary, why we have that. I'm going to invite my friend Colleen to come up right now in just a second. And uh, she just got back from Medjugorje, Yugoslavia. I know many of you have heard of it. If you haven't, it's uh, reported, and many of you have gone. I know many of you have gone. I've gone eight times. It's one of my two favorite spiritual places on earth. And it's massive conversions and peace coming out of their vocations, confessions, right down the line, just exactly what we need getting to the heart of it. And the Mary, the mother of God, is reported to be uh, having visitations with six young visionaries from that time, and some of them still get these uh, visions where Mary, the mother of God, speaks to them. And it's just, uh, many people have described this place to me as heaven on earth. It's, they've never experienced more heaven on earth than Medjugorje. And so I wanted to invite my friend Colleen, who just got back from there, to share her experience with Mary, Queen Mary, Mother of God at Medjugorje. So please give her your kind attention, and thank you, Colleen. So amen, Father. The, the rosary is a powerful gift. And I learned it on my pilgrimage to Medjugorje for the first time. I've never been there, obviously. Mary calls you when you know you need to go. And I had a miracle experience happen for me there. I was told to open your heart, surrender your soul. You never know what can happen. Also, I was told to expect the unexpected, and I had many unexpected things happen. The two shepherds, I would call them, a very loving couple, Robert and Celeste Blodgett, they they told me, meet me at the bottom of Apparition Hill at 515. We want to really climb the hill by 538, 540. That's when Mary appears. Be a really nice time to pray the rosary. I show up a little late, obviously, because I get lost. And I show up at 520, and they're nowhere to be found. And I'm, oh, I'm starting to feel the weight of it. I see a little old lady walking by next to me, a little old lady barefoot. They're climbing this hill, and I'm feeling the mysticism of the place. And I'm starting to get a little overwhelmed. I don't know if I can do it. 525 comes, they're still not here. I'm like, I'm going to have to do this trek alone. I can do it. I can be alone. I start praying the rosary, this wonderful gift, praying for my family, my in-laws, who are really struggling that my husband passed away recently. So as I'm climbing this hill and praying with intention, so key to pray the rosary with intention, I start feeling the gravity of the place, start feeling emotion. A third of the way up, I just start to hear my name being called, and I'm thinking, this is my divine moment. Get down to my knees, I'm looking up, Colleen, Colleen, and I'm feeling like this is really great, this is going to happen. Then I hear Celeste Blodgett behind going, it's me, Celeste, it's not Mary, it's me. And I just broke the ice, and I was like, this is so great, oh my gosh. She goes, you're so silly, no, be quiet, we got to keep climbing the hill, we got to get there by 538, it's really important. So we start climbing, her husband's leading the way, he's going at a really fast pace, she's going fast, and these boulders are not easy, there's no dirt, it's just like you're climbing it and you're just try hoping to make it there. As we get to the top of the hill, we can see the statue of the Virgin Mary, and we just get overwhelmed with emotion, and this wave of roses overtook all three of us. And there's no roses around. If you 
ever been there, there's just boulders. It's quite magical. We're just overwhelmed. Robert turns around looking at me like, can you smell that? Celeste is looking at me with big eyes. What time is it? And I look at my phone, it's 5.38, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? We are freaking out. We start praying. It's just, I wish all of you could have been there. It was very, very miraculous. It's a wonderful place. Um, Mother Mary really touched us. We know she's real. We know that God is real. We know Jesus loves us more than anything. And Mother Mary just wants us to have a relationship with her. So I hope this helps and with her son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And Mother Mary, we know you're not a great idea or a philosophy or a theology. You're our mother. You're the mother of us all. And you are so powerful. In Genesis 3.15, you're predicted to crush the head of Satan in the Proto-Evangelium, in the first gospel. You are powerful over evil. We flee to you and we, flee, we run to you and ask for your intercession against, against evil. But not only you're powerful, you're tender, you're soft, and we pray that you will hold us as your children to your son, safe in your motherly embrace, loving us infinitely to your son. We pray this could, we could know you, that you are real and so powerful for us. And Mary, help us to pray the rosary every day, maybe just a decade but help us to turn to you for peace, the peace of the gospel. As we hear all the babies cry out, they're crying out for you and your son. And we thank you for that cry that reminds us that that's our cry too. Holy Spirit, pray this down into our hearts, from our heads. Help us to be less thinking about things and more experiencing them with our whole lives. Help us to surrender as you did. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. 